My name is Jerry, and I work at the Scottish Parliament. I'm joined via video call today by the presiding officer of the Scottish Parliament, the Right Honourable Ken McIntosh, MSP. Many thanks for joining me today um, from your living room, it looks like. Thanks, Jerry. Yes, exactly. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Glasgow, and I'm in my living room when, in most elections, I'd be out in the campaign trail, leafleting, knocking on doors, but not this time. I want to begin by reminding the listeners, if they don't already know, that you are standing down as presiding officer and also as an MSP at this coming election, as you've just mentioned, in May. You've been an MSP since the first election in 99 and have been PO for the past five years. So, first of all, congratulations on your time at Holyrood. I want to ask, though, what was it that made you decide it was time to leave Parliament? Well, I'll be honest with you, uh, Jerry. It's I'm in a luxurious position in the sense that most politicians don't get the chance to choose when to leave Parliament. The public decides for them. Um, but yes, when I put my name forward as presiding officer, the th first thing that happens is that you leave your political party. So I was a, a Labour MSP for 17 years. Uh, but when you become presiding officer, you leave your political party, you become impartial. Everybody has to trust you. Uh, you can no longer you know, raise questions, uh, put down motions and so on. And that means when you come to the end of your term, and we've always had one term presiding officers, um, you should stand back. We At Westminster, they have a tradition where the Speaker can stand unopposed. Um, however, we've never had that tradition here in Scotland. And as I'm not in a political party, and I think I'll be honest with you, it would actually be difficult to go back to a political party. I think you'd lose whatever credibility you'd gained over those 22 years. So going backwards is not really an option. But having said all that, I won't pretend other than I'm, I'll be very sorry to go. I, I've absolutely loved my time at the Scottish Parliament. And, you know, you get a chance to make a difference, to improve people's lives. And that's what it's all about. You talk about those 22 years and being able to make a difference and things like that. And you've been an MSP, like I said, since the, the very start. You've been in the PO's chair for some really massive moments over the past five years. There's been so much news um, in Scottish and UK history. You know, I'm thinking Brexit, the pandemic that we're recording in. What would you say are some highlights for you from the past 22 years in Parliament? Uh, you're absolutely right. The the uh it's funny to talk about Brexit or the pandemic as highlights, but they've certainly dominated. It's funny, actually, when I was elected, um, in fact, when, when we were all elected in 2016 at the last election, there had just been this new tranche of uh, devolved powers over taxation and social security. And I think everybody thought that this uh, particular session of Parliament that's just come to a, a close would be dominated by these new powers. But of course, six weeks after the election, the Brexit referendum took us out of Europe and that utterly changed the political scene and, and Brexit and constitutional relations essentially have, have dominated Scottish politics since that time until just over a year ago when the pandem pandemic you know, dominated all our lives. But yes, I mean, looking back at highlights, oh, there have been so many, uh, there's so many great moments and so many, uh, so many challenges as well. Early on in Parliament, um, the, the legislative, legislative programme was undoubtedly the most important. There was huge pieces of legislation that went through, or they felt very big at the time. So there was a campaign to get rid of Section 28. This was a, a piece of legislation which, um, in, in theory, banned the promotion of homosexuality, as if you could promote homosexuality. It was a real bizarre piece of legislation in the first place. The big campaign, when we came into office to get rid of that, quite a quite a difficult campaign, I'll be honest with you, quite a difficult time um, in this new parliament. Um, there was the land reform legislation, there was um, the uh, introduction of free personal care, really quite landmark pieces of, of lawmaking. 
And uh, the ones I actually remember were more to do with education, things like the Additional Support for Learning Act and so on, which I, I really remember, the Gaelic Language Act. These were ones that I, I remember spending a lot of time on. Um, after that, though, I think perhaps one of the most important moments, and certainly in the Scottish Parliament's development, was the transition from those early uh, coalition governments, partnership governments between Labour and Lib Dems, to a minority government led by the SNP in 2007. That was actually, that was the Parliament coming of age. Um, the, probably the anti-smoking legislation was a transformative moment in terms of legislation, but in terms of Parliament maturing and being accepted and and working, just proving it was stable, was the transition. And, and a minority government, you know, the SNP only had one more MSP than Labour at the time, but they managed to survive the full four years. They got their budget through. Okay, it was difficult at times. And that really established, I think, the Parliament as as this, the, the centrepiece of public life in Scotland. Uh, I certainly remember that particular session. Um, and since then, um, yes, th th there have been, um, I mean, personal highs for me include just being elected in the first place back in 99. And then, well, it was such a euphoric moment in, in my life, but also I think in Scottish political life. But then being chosen as, as presiding officer. I, I also had the a good fortune of steering a bill through Parliament on um, it was on skin cancer. It was about it was about sunbeds, but essentially it was about trying to tackle skin cancer in Scotland, and that was adopted by the incoming SNP government in two thousand and seven. So, um, again, seeing that become law was a was a was a, a highlight for me. So many, um, and the funny thing is, the bits that I remember best are actually all quite personal. They're all about helping individual constituents. There was a there was a woman who came to see me very early on. Um, she was, uh, I don't know, maybe 65, 70, just retired, maybe 75, and she'd had, she got cancer and she went to what was then the old, the old Beetson, and she was horrified. She'd been left outside in a corridor in a paper gown, very undignified. This was a very, this was a very dignified woman and she was describing the scene to me. And, um, and that, I remember that conversation was the one that opened my eyes about cancer treatment in Scotland, that, that, that took me on a different journey. But that sort of experience where people tell you about their own experience, their own lives, their own difficulties and challenges and share that with you, it's very personal. And and that's actually the bit that I remember most of all, all these individual stories, so many people sharing their lives and asking me to help them. So it's it's a huge privilege. You're right in terms of the, the sheer scope, I think, of, of the changes that have happened in Scotland since the Scottish Parliament um, was, was established um, and all those those advancements you, you described, Section 28 and things like that. And also, it sounds very interesting to me that you're saying there's a window into people's personal lives and how the, you know people come to you with issues and problems and, and previously as an MSP before PO, you would advocate for them you know, directly in the chamber. How does that work as, as, as PO when you've got MSP and constituency issues? How does that change and, and how do you continue to represent constituents in that position? You're absolutely right, Jerry. It's the one big change when you become presenting officer is that you can no longer um, fight on the floor of the chamber for the things that people bring to your attention. You can still help them. So you can still uh, write letters on their behalf. I mean, the, the, the majority of a, a parliamentarian, particularly a constituency representative, uh, but the majority of an MSP's life is um, people come to see you and they have quite personal issues and they can be quite mundane. I mean, don't don't pretend that they're all, I won't pretend they're all um, sort of life-changing, but they're important to them. 
know, they're they're very very personal. They're very disturbing, and they they wouldn't be coming to see you unless they're important. And your your job is to well, your opportunity is to be able to help them. So most of what you do is listening to people and then writing letters on their behalf to, let's say, the the local authority, the health board, the police. Um, uh, the education service, which is the local authority again, so, so sometimes to to reserve on reserved issues such as pensions or social security too, uh, and you can't solve their problems. You know, you can't wave a magic wand. You can't command people to do anything. You're not anybody's boss in that sense, but you can help them, and you can get the, whatever their difficulty is examined, and that makes up the majority of your work. Now, occasionally, the issue that someone raises with you can then become. Um, a, a, a parliamentary issue. Uh, so waiting lists, for example, for cancer treatment or um, poor housing generally. So people come to see you with lots of individual cases, but actually you realise it's a bigger issue. It's about the provision of housing generally. So so then, or, or poverty, you know, in, inequality, you know, you, you see examples of that every day. So you can turn these personal issues into big political issues, which you then raise. But yes, the one avenue you can't do is you can't put a question down or you can't put a motion down. Uh, but but that's all right. You know, the the other side of my interest in or the reason I stood for Parliament back in 99 was because I believed in the Scottish Parliament itself and the way of doing politics that it, it opened up. This idea of being more collegiate, more discursive, more willing to reach across party lines. And I'm not going to pretend the Scottish Parliament has has triumphed in all these areas. But as presiding officer, you get this other opportunity to champion that part of the role. So you lose one part of the role, you gain another. And, you know, I, I certainly don't have any regrets at all from that from that perspective. As you said there, I've been passionate about, you know, Parliament, how Parliament works. And since becoming PO, you've been active in championing parliamentary reform. Could you tell me a little bit about your reform aims and some of the work that's been done over these past five years to keep the Scottish Parliament young, forward-looking, responsive to, to the members and, and the public's needs. You're absolutely right, uh, Jerry. The, 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 the parliament itself was, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, was established on a, a set of inspirational principles to me to be more accessible, to be more open and transparent, to share power with the people of Scotland. And I didn't think for one second that these principles had needed to be reformed or changed. But I did think that the Parliament itself needed to refocus, just to look again, refresh ourselves about what the point of this new Parliament was. Um, and there are some real challenges. If you live in a repre representative democracy, as we do, then participative democracy is very difficult. How do you get the participation of people? Because they don't have, they, when you've been elected as an MSP, you have a mandate, you have a vote, and that gives you authority to pass laws and to make decisions on budgets and everything else. Without that, you know, there's always a danger that you're actually appeasing those who shout loudest or those who have the most influence and the most power. So that's that's difficult. So, you know, um, participation is not an easy principle to put into practice. But I was very struck by the fact that when the Parliament first started, we were absolutely at, the, absolutely at the forefront of, you know, introducing a new petition system and um, opening up the doors of Parliament so that everybody can come in and find out and share for themselves, even just our language. We were more accessible than than any Parliament at the time. Um, and, and I thought that that needed to be looked at again. Um, it, I wouldn't say it gone stale, but for example, the, the early success of the petitions committee, that there have been very few petitions come through successfully and then come into either budget making or or uh, lawmaking in, in that sense. 
So we introduced new reforms. That, well, in fact, I set up a commission on parliamentary reform, which looked at all these issues. And it came up with many recommendations across the whole scope of parliamentary activity, including, for example, a greater use of uh, well, setting up a committee engagement unit to find new ways to engage with the public, the use of uh, many publics and citizens assemblies within a parliamentary context. But in, in Parliament itself, it also, for me, livened up and made more immediate and spontaneous the parliamentary process. So to give you a good example, when I was um, in my last particular session as, as a, a backbencher, a frontbencher actually, um, uh, an opposition spokesperson uh, in the previous session, I found that First Minister's questions had become an occasion where the frontbenchers and the, and the opposition leaders got to participate, but most members didn't get a chance to ask a question and very little chance of being selected. And so it was becoming the role in many ways just to applaud or to boo the performance of their leaders. And I thought it was becoming, I mean, it's always been a political theatre, but it was really becoming a, a, a very non-participative part of Parliament. So I wanted to change that. And I think one of the big successes has been extending FMQs, introducing urgent questions every day, extending the range of portfolio questions so that every member on any single day, including FMQs, has the chance to ask a question. So no member goes into the chamber thinking of, of themselves as a spectator, but think of themselves as a participant. And the, I am looking for the opportunity to give them a chance to stand on their feet and speak up on behalf of their constituents. And I think that really has uh, refreshed Parliament uh, this session. I think it's been the big, one of the big successes. Lots of other things we haven't um, moved on though. Um, when the Parliament first started back in 1999, we, 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 were this, we had the second best gender equality in terms of representation of women a record in the whole of the world in parliamentary terms. And yet all the other parliaments have now caught up or sometimes overtaken us and we've not moved on at all. So there are lots of issues there about diversity of representation, which we really need to tackle. Now, Parliament itself doesn't control these matters. These are often um, controlled either by the parties or by the people who vote, either for selection of candidates or for candidates themselves. But Parliament can influence those areas. So again, that's an area where I think I've tried to be changed, tried to improve just the capacity of Parliament to, to um, the capacity of people to stand um, encourage um, members of our disabled community to stand, for example, see themselves as candidates, see themselves as MSPs. Um, but hopefully we'll be looking for further change in these areas in the years to come. What other challenges do you see coming up in the near future and perhaps longer term for, for both Parliament and Scotland as a whole? There are several, Jerry. I mean, diversity of candidates is, is just one and, and making sure that the Parliament looks like the country we, we represent. But if you think about the changes that have been taking place recently, uh, one of the biggest, for example, has been uh, Brexit, to return to that word. Um, Brexit has changed the political landscape in terms of the way our institutions interact. It, it used to be that the devolved reserved divide was very clear, very black and white. Uh, all, all, all matters were devolved other, th other than those reserved, kept back to Westminster, which would include the economy, taxation, social security, uh, defence and so on. And it was very clear. Since then, there have been two uh, constitutional acts which have given new powers to the Scottish Parliament and then Brexit. And what we now have is a landscape where there are reserved issues, devolved issues and shared issues. And it's really becoming a, 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 
a landscape, a political landscape within Britain, which requires greater cooperation and greater interparliamentary interaction. So um, now the governments have always interacted. There have always been relationships, good or bad, <laughs> between um, Westminster and Holyrood and with the other parliaments, with, with the other governments around the, the four nations. But parliaments themselves um, have tended not to um, have very close relationships with each other. So any of our governments in the UK are accountable to their own parliaments, but the parliaments don't um, necessarily talk to each other very well. And that's one of the things I've tried to change. And I think it's something that we'll have to develop more. So if we have these new common frameworks, just looking at areas like agriculture or employment law and so on, things that are shared responsibilities, social security again, then we need interparliamentary cooperation. And I think that'll be a real, uh, a real, uh, have to be a real priority for the new uh, administration, the new incoming presiding officer and uh, new MSPs. Um, the, um, just the, 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 the way that the fiscal framework already has set up, the, the way that uh, taxation uh, well, we used to get virtually the majority of our money from the block grant, and now we have a huge amount of uh, autonomy to set our own taxation levels. But that creates this quite complicated accountability mechanism about the way we raise fundings, and that requires greater parliamentary scrutiny. Again, that will require far more attention from um, parliamentary colleagues going forward. So quite a lot of, of, of work needed there. But on the bigger picture generally, but put, so that's, that's the parliamentary perspective. On the bigger political picture, I'll be honest with you, the thing I'm worried about most of all is just the divisiveness and the, the anger that is out there at the moment. The, we're living through a particularly difficult time, I think, when, when politics is very polarised. You know, the, the Scottish Parliament came in with this, um, I, I would almost describe it euphoria, but certainly a wave of optimism about the kind of politics we could practise in this country. And it's it's not fully developed, I'll be honest with you. And if anything, it's got worse at the moment. We really are at each other's throats. People are either for something or against it. Uh, and I don't just mean over the constitution. I mean, you see things like, for example, the culture wars or the, the arguments we're having over um, gender uh, representation and so, um, over gender identity. These things, people have found it very difficult to find a common language to talk to each other. And that, and that really worries me. Now, some of it, I have no doubt, is because of the, the nature in which politics is practiced. So social media, social media is just full of rage and anger, and it's a very divisive um, medium. And that's spilled over into politics. But you can't blame the, the medium in this case. You know, that's, it's up to us as individuals and as politicians to try and um, reach out to each other to to try and find a language in which we at least are listening and talking to each other rather than shouting at each other and that's i think going to be one of the biggest challenges just to um to be reasonable and kind and emotional and sympathetic rather than you know angry and pointed and you know vitriolic and aggressive because that's in the end that i think that damages everybody so that just a, just a couple of the challenges, and and Jerry, there are many more, including just the basic ones. We came into I came into politics to challenge, you know, improving our education system, tackling public health, tackling poverty and inequality. None of these have gone away. So huge challenges for, for my new colleagues. You, you mentioned there's uh, challenges that the Parliament in, in Scotland faces coming up, and but we opened this discussion with you talking about how this was your, your last election is behind you, and you, you were understanding this time. So. 
How do you, how are you feeling about this election coming up? Do you think, just from a personal point of view, you'll miss the, the sleepless nights of a parliamentary campaign? I can't tell you how much I missed them, Jerry. I just, it, I, I didn't, I mean, I've known this moment was coming for some time and still can't believe how much I'm missing it. I've, I've never had a Scottish parliamentary election in which I'm not involved. And here I am, you know, I'm back shouting at the TV. <laughs> I've gone full circle. Um, Yes, it's. Uh, I will miss it, but at the same time, you need uh, fresh faces, new energy, uh, new drive. I was very struck when I became presiding officer in 2016 that we had 51 new MSPs, and it really refreshed the parliament. It made a huge difference. The 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 way the polls are going, it suggests that there could be a similar. Well, we've got 34 MSPs at the very least saying they're standing down and there will be others who you know are, will try to get back in but will lose their seats so uh, it looks like there'll be a similar big changeover of personnel now that's a uh, there's, there's some some people i'll be very sad to see go some people of great ability and talent and uh, so much experience that that will be sad to lose at the same time all that fresh talent that new energy that new vigor that will come in that will refresh things and and i think it could be a very exciting time but yes do I wish I was part of it, Jerry? If I could go back and start again, I'd do the whole thing. And I'd also, I'd be so much better now. <laughs> if I think, I think back on what I was like as an MSP, you know, I just think, oh, I just think I'd do things so much better now. Would you give yourself any specific tips if you could go back in a time machine and see the, the young, fresh-faced Ken McIntosh, not yet an MSP? Would you, would you tell him anything about the, the next 20-odd years at Parliament? Um, well, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, it's funny this because I, I, you can't tell, even when I've got new colleagues coming in now, you, you can't, it's very difficult to tell people how to behave without being patronising or condescending, you know. Um, but certainly if it was me, you coming back in, oh, there's so many things I would I would do differently. One of the lessons I did learn eventually, and in fact, I learned it through, I know this, is, this sounds funny, I learned it through playing football is, don't treat other MSPs as the enemy, because to treat them as fellow MSPs who are potential allies, every single one of them. I say I learned this through football. I What happened was I, I used to captain the Scottish parliamentary football team. And when you pick a team like that, you've got people from all different parties. And I had these all these colleagues I used to play alongside on the same team, on the same side. And it was a real lesson for me. No, I, I never, I've never hated people. I've never seen people from other parties as the enemy in that sense. But I do see them, I've seen them as the opposition. And then you're, you play on the same side and you realise, no, you're, you're trying to do the same thing. You're trying to make this a better country. And not only that, to get things done, you need their support. So always look for that. Always look for the things that you can agree with them on. Always look for the things that they can agree with you on. Find their best qualities, not their worst. Um, try not to personalise things. It's so easy, particularly in the back of an election campaign when you've been, you know, you've been fighting for a seat and, you know, the, 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 the others are trying to take that seat off you. It's very easy to see them as, as you know, or to personalise it and to think it's a, that they hate you individually or they're out to get It's not, nothing can be further from the truth. These are good public spirited people trying to do the best for their country by their sense of belief. And if you look for that, and there's so many other things on, on a practical level, keep your questions short <laughs> and to the point, um, use parliamentary um, opportunities where they can. So use the opportunity to stand up and ask a question, use the opportunity to make an intervention. Um, try to um, keep your independence of mind as well as your party loyalty. So um, 
I mean, when you're in a political party, political parties are vital. That's how you get things done, by having that um, communal um, uh, bond that drives things through um, with an agenda and a, a, and a set of di a direction and so on. Uh, but don't, don't lose your own sense of individual pride and responsibility to the people you represent. You know, make, make sure you get the balance right. Don't become just a pawn or a... Um, a, 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 a vote to be manipulated by the party whips. Just trying to remember your own identity and the people that you represent. So, um, oh, what else? There's so many things that come up on a day-to-day -day basis, Jerry. But as I say, use the parliamentary activities. I, I used to um, do an awful lot of work in committees, and that's important. But the chamber itself is actually a place where you really can make a difference if you use it well. Um, and you know, I, I've seen and you know, I've, I've seen so many good examples, so many good parliamentarians over the t over the years, use that to drive an issue and get what you care about to the top of the agenda. And that's what it's about. It's not always about getting your way. It's about getting the things that you care about at the top of the agenda. And and the chamber does that more than any other part of parliamentary activity. So, yeah, Jerry, I could talk to you. Um, for hours about the things that I've done wrong and the things we could improve. The good thing is I'm going to have the chance, I think, to chat to the new intakes. My, one of my last jobs as presenting officer is to be able to chat to the new intake and be able to share, for example, how Parliament works, how the Bureau works, how the corporate body works, all these parts of Parliament that I, it took me 17 years to become presenting officer to find out <laughs> how important they were. And I hopefully I'll be able to pass on some of those lessons as well to, to my colleagues. With 20 odd years in Parliament and five years in the chair, there must be a huge amount of experience. Like you're saying, you know, there's, there's so much to learn from people that, that aren't involved in Parliament. There's so much process and, and the way things work in Parliament can be quite complicated. So um, I think that, that new intake, you're right, anywhere between 30 plus potential new members, there's a lot of people who'll be looking looking for advice. So it'd be great if you could give it to them. And I want to thank you, today. It's been fantastic. Um, Presiding Officer Ken McIntosh, MSP, many thanks for your time and all the best of the future from all of us at the Scottish Parliament. Thanks very much, Jerry. I've, I've joined the MSPs Association, so you'll see me back again. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jerry. It's been a pleasure.